trying to analyze the games that we love, killing the music and the movies we can't forget. I'm Ghost One of the Burns, like my kind of part, Sayon Morris, who is the, the most prepared person, prepared co-host today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful morning in Zamunda. That's what it is. <laughs> That's the right way to put it. <laughs> but we have a lot of topics to get into for this one. We're going to get into some some NFL and NBA ones. The first half and the second half, we're going to do a review of Big Home Tyrone. Um, to start off with, Dalvin Cook headed to the Jets. Um, earlier this week, it was announced that he was signing a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with New York and he was released June 8th after um, four straight pro-, pro Bowl seasons with the Vikings and this is a very you know interesting move because you know th- this you know stabilizes the backfield for New York but also it's one of those interesting things because we're going to be talking about another running back who headed to the AFC um, AFC East team what did you think about this move um, you know a couple weeks before the season starts and just you know how this you know will, will help the Jets Great situation for both parties involved. Dalvin yeah. Cook has not declined. His first few years, he battled injuries with the Vikings in the last, you know, five years, four years. This would be a seven year in the NFL. Last four yeah. years, he's been a thousand yard running. One year, he has 16 touchdowns. Another was 13, six. So he hasn't declined and he's a, a weapon out the backfield as well. So he's going to be a dual threat running back. And I think that's what they were missing last year mm-hmm. with the they were 25th in the running game, only averaging 100 yards game. That's not going to yeah, help I cut it. a rookie quarterback last year in Zach Wilson. Now you have a veteran quarterback who's usually was usually is used to having a good running game to sustain the 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 the, the drives and when the wide receivers are not on the same page, the running game with Aaron Jones can work. Now you got a veteran guy in Dalvin Cook who has not declined, who still has some juice in the tank. So I'm yeah. not sure why people were so hesitant on grabbing grabbing Dalvin Cook, where it's clearly set that he hasn't declined. And I think yeah. this is the situation for him because they want to have a good running game like they used to previous in previous years. Now they have Dalvin Cook, they have a couple of the backups, and I think this will give uh, Aaron Rodgers a peace of mind when it comes to the whole ensemble of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is interesting because a lot of teams, they just didn't buy in. They didn't they didn't uh, 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 cash in on the opportunity to get him. Like, do you think sometimes teams can overthink um, when you have a running back that's available? Because a lot of times the analytics and just like, okay, like this guy, he, he, he's not as and not as efficient as he once was. And you're just overthinking just the base. Hey, like you need a running back to stabilize your team late in the, in the, in the postseason, um, just to get into the postseason, like in those, in those late regular season games. Like, do you think sometimes teams just kind of overthink that aspect of it? It depends on the situation, obviously. Right. Yeah. So in this case, no, organization really needed a running back besides the Jets, Miami mm. Dolphins, uh, the Vikings drafted a couple guys. So in this yeah. season, there were a, a high need for running backs. And if they did, they already satisfied their need with draft picks or they right. went with other veteran guys because we didn't know uh, what Dalvin Cook was going to do, or what the Vikings was going to do with Dalvin Cook. Mm. So I think if the situation is different now, but I think he's in the right situation. But Sometimes teams do overthink or they was like, well, we don't have that money to give to that position where we have a high, higher need, a higher uh, chance of uh, being a better own, own, a better team uh, fully if we put mm-hmm. more uh, money in this position because running back is becoming a position that's whatever, right? Yeah. So they're, they're valued, they're devalued as a position in the NFL. So mm-hmm. 
now you look into other positions like a left tackle, like the offensive line who's going to protect your quarterback or big time wide receivers going to take the top off or you look into your secondary. So mm-hmm. running backs are disposal, disposable. Because it's a it's a lot of running backs coming in and out of college. There's a, a lot, lot of veteran guards, a lot of shifting parts. Correct. Yeah. So I mean, situations vary, but I think in this sense, Dalvin Cook is in the right situation for him, and I think him being at the practice, uh, just sitting there watching, uh, just you know, slobbing her out the mouth to get the opportunity <laughs> to play with the Jets. I think everything worked out for well, and I think he he'll have some type of relationship. With uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers oh, is an yeah. inviting guy. He's going to teach him some other stuff, and he might even be better in the system with Aaron Rodgers than he was with Kirk Cousins. Now used sending to be out NFC loud. North rivals. <laughs> yeah, used to be NFC North rivals. Now he's in the AFC. So I'm, yeah. I, I like that. Dalvin Cook is one of my favorite players out of Florida State. Don't. Mm. If I had a favorite player out of Florida State, because you know I'm a... I know you, you know, hate to say this. I know you say, just give that, me Florida State any compliments. <laughs> you would think it was Derrick Brooks. I love Derrick mm-hmm. Brooks. I've met him a yeah. couple times, but my favorite player from Florida State is Dalvin Cook. The guy is special. Look at you casually putting that in. I, I've met him, you know, I, a couple times. You know, yeah. I mean, he's from Pensacola, man. <laughs> yeah, he's from Pensacola. He's, 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 he's be at some of the youth association events, so it's just, it's just one of those things, you know. No, I'm not. I never met Emmitt Smith, though. Oh, no. That would have been different. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> um, and now moving on to Ezekiel Elliott's move to, to New England and just, you know, who's going to be the top team in the AFC East. Um, he agreed to terms with the Patriots on a one-year deal and helped address, you know, one of the thinnest positions on the roster. Um, and Bill Belichick, he's just a savvy coach in terms of knowing how to put pieces together. And I feel like this is a, a another – this is this is a good move for New England because Ezekiel Elliott, like we even mentioned a couple episodes ago with the Tony Pollard situation and how Dallas they were they were centered on on Tony Pollard. They really didn't want to keep Zeke much longer because they, they had a newer, younger guy that could 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 uh, really help that backfield. But what do you think about this move for New England and just you know how how Zeke can fit with them? Whoa, I was uh, <laughs> at first I was thinking um, he's been in limbo for a while. He's been in free agency. No one's. It's nothing that stuck. Nobody was interested of it. It's a decline. He had 800, I think 876 yards rushing, uh, right. averaged by three yards a carry, which is not. It's not enticing for some uh, mm-hmm. some NFL teams when you know the devalue of that position. Yeah. And, but he did have, I think, 14 or 16 touchdowns. So I think then I thought about what Bill Belichick and what their offense normally does. You look at the running back situation. They've never had the the big-time running back. Ever. They've always – ever. Even with Corey <laughs> Dillon, Kevin yeah. Falk, these guys were like six late-round draft picks that kind of panned out and fit in the system. Sammy Morris, Lawrence Maroney, who was at his tail end of his career, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Stephen Riley, LeGarrette Blunt, Deion Lewis, Sonny Michelle. None of these are big-time running backs. They fit into the system well. So I think it was a strategic move, and I think – Ezekiel Elliott won in this sense because now I could go in a system where I can be a dual threat because for a time, Ezekiel Elliott was the best screen running back in the league. Dallas Cowboys in their screen game was amazing. So Patriots love to do that. They love quick screens. They love getting their running back involved. And I think he'll be a third down back. I think this is his time to be rejuvenated and find that that love for football again. And where not to do it. 
Best place to do it. New England. <laughs> Refine, re- re- find your identity. <laughs> exactly. It's the best position for him to be in. Do I think he's still that great running back coming and just running over people or trying to, you know? No, I don't think he's the same running back, but that's run. good. That is good. You don't have to be the same running back. You have to find new ways to be a better running back. So I think him being with New England, he can be a better running back. He can find new ways of being a better running back, better running back. And Bill Belichick in that offense will figure it out. And he has Mac Jones, who's on the uprising to be one of the top quarterbacks in his league. And he has some weapons on the outside. The offensive line has gotten better. So I think they're going to be run pass heavy, which it'll be workout for Ezekiel. So he doesn't have to have that. You know, burden on his backside to say, I have to average five yards a carry. I have to right. do this. No, I can just get into the situation, work mm. into the passing game, and then the running game will open up. So, yeah, I think it's, I, it's a pretty good situation for him. Absolutely. I mean, and it's just like New England is, you know, we always talk about those franchises that are just like first class, you know, like yeah. the Spurs, like the Heat. Um, in, in, a, in, in a, like another sport, but it's just like New England, they're, they're just that first class organization. Like if you come to them, like, you know, like you're going to get a really like strong foundation and you can kind of like reshift your career and, and just, and just the, the whole look of it. Um, but before we move on, like, have there been, um, cause, cause the, we're, we, we are into preseason, a couple couple games in the preseason. Have there been any teams or any players that have, that have stood out to you um, so far in these preseason games? Oh, um, I would say the hometown here. I've been watching a lot of Seahawks and uh, mm. offense, de- offense and defense. De- Devon Witherspoon looked really good. Yes, man. Him, him being out there. Um, I forgot the guy's name from Ohio State, the wide receiver that he drafted. My, 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 my. Gino is going to have a time of his life. Mm-hmm. The guy can get <laughs> separation. You could put him in the slot. He could take off the top. It's yeah. one of those rare gems and wide receivers that you get for the Seahawks. And I think – them being able to get those players after the season they had last year, there's a lot of upside to them. And then I was looking at the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not sold. <laughs> I know yeah. you said what stood out, but this stood. I'm not sold yeah. on Baker Mayfield. I'm not sold on Kyle Trash. I'm not sold on that defense who won the you know Super Bowl in 2020. They have are on the decline. I don't think regress. Regress, and you you would say, oh, maybe Baker Mayfield and Mike will get a connection. I don't think so. Baker Mayfield has had some top wide receivers in his day, and has not had a, a, a crease connection to them. Mm. It's been wrinkled. That was a good pun, and I should have <laughs> never said nothing. I should have kept going. But hey, sometimes you got to acknowledge these. Sometimes you got to acknowledge, acknowledge <laughs> But no, I, I'm not. I'm not sold on it. Um, I love how we're looking, Green Bay. I was uh, totally surprised. Yeah. I love the the the, the uh, connections, yeah, direction and connection that Jordan Love has with the wide receivers. The offensive line looks good. Defense is getting stronger. They're yeah. buying into uh, the new age of Green Bay Packers. But no, I was definitely watching the Seahawks heavy, uh, and then I've been watching Tampa Bay because I'm a Kyle Trask fan because he's from Florida. But yeah. I'm not sold on that offense. Yeah, I'm not sold yeah. just yet. Um, and after listening to, to the NBA and um, and, and James Harden's re- uh, recent comments about Daryl Morey, uh, man, Harden just <laughs> finds a way to stay in the headlines. <laughs> and, uh, and and a couple of days after, it was reported that the, that the 76ers um, ended trade talks in, in, involving Harden. Um, he ripped Daryl Morey and said, quote, Daryl Morey is a liar and I would never be part of an organization that he's a part of, end quote. And to me, like, Harden is really, he's pulling that that generational superstar move of like, yeah, I am going to cause a complete firestorm 
and I'm going to bring everybody down with me if I don't want to be here and I'm going to get my way. Like he, he, he just, he just adamant about, I am going to get out of here. There's nobody that's going to hold me back. And I'm going to go on a media tour and you're just going to have to deal with it. Like, right. what, what, what have you thought about um, this, this, this recent news of, of the, the Harden and Daryl Morey comments and just what is, what Harden is, is, is looking for after Philly? Man, <laughs> you know what's crazy? If this is any other player, like a subpar player, this would not be in the news, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm glad it's James Harden, even in his prima donna, uh, you know, stances at sometimes. But I think this is more so more moral than any of his outbursts while he's been in the NBA, yeah. because Daryl Moore has been under investigation prior to this. With the cut of, I think that's what he's lied about, that there was going to be other incentives for James Harden when he took that $14 million pay cut to get P.J. Tucker and uh, Dwell House Jr. And I think you have to do this because you're a business. This is a business, right? And these players are business owners as well. So if you're going to lie and say, I took a $14 million pay cut when I didn't have to because of of incentives or promises or reneges that you have done and you mm. think you're just going to be okay. Now they're going to spring up another investigation. And that's what the talk has been for a couple weeks now with Stein. It was like, there was a one investigation that we know about and that right. they're going to look into it again to see what, but everybody's thinking like, what is he talking about? What's the answer? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I love when top players blow the lid off. In, in a good moral, I think this is a good moral thing because that's bad business. And then the NBA is already under the, the, the light. NFL is already under the light. Yeah. NBA has been declined viewership for the past five years, even pre-COVID. So right. now we need to fix these things. These players, if you want to treat these players as a numbers or, or business deals or business transactions, they're going to treat themselves as such. Yeah. And you have to do the same thing. Yeah, adhere to great practice. You're going to do that, so we're going to do that. I'm going to hold you accountable. And some of these general managers don't get held accountable, not even by the general manager. (laughs) The commissioner. Commissioner. (laughs) Accountability, man. The accountability is is really crazy because players, you know, we even mentioned it um, a couple months ago with the Dame, Dame situation about like, hey, like, Dame can say he wants to go at a certain place, but the managers and the owners are like, "Hey, we're gonna put you where you need to go." Yeah, like, you yeah. can say well, all you want to, yeah, yeah. We can say all you want to say, but at the end of the day, only like even looking back at, at the decision by LeBron, LeBron literally, it, you, you have to be like that, just once in a generation type player, like LeBron, KD. You know what I mean? Like you really have to just to be like, "Hey, I, I demand where I go." But if you're not, then that's where things change. Like, do you think certain players? even in this generation, um, like the younger players like Luca, Zion, are going to have to kind of even realize going forward that, hey, even if I get to a crossroad with Dallas or New Orleans, I've got to know that I may really not end up in the place I want to be. Right, true. But, I mean, that's when you... That's when your agent, your team, whoever you have that you pay five, ten percent to each year, yeah. um, that's when you guys come up with the plan, the understanding uh w- where the upside is, what what can you what can and cannot you do? Because with LeBron's situation, it was he was a free agent, so he can he had the power. He satisfied his contract. He did everything he had to do. Now he had the decision to come back or, or leave. So it, obviously, 
with either situation it varies, but with Luca and Zion, they're going to have to realize, did I satisfy my contract? What's the upside? Do I have to choose? But if they have it and they want to trade, say Luca wants to trade in the two years because he just had a max contract. Yeah. No, he's about to get a max contract. About say, to. yeah, say that he didn't want to resign. And then he has that power because one, he satisfied his original contract. And mm. now I can see where I want to go unless, and I, I know he's going to give him like the biggest, fattest contract yeah. ever. <laughs> ever. ever. You thought Jalen Brown was something. I was Wait just about Luka. to say. <laughs> Luca ain't going to be able to get out the door how much money going to be in this house. Like, that's insane. But hey, can I get some assistance? Can I get some assistance? <laughs> <laughs> Mark Cuban is going to make him one of the richest basketball players, richest yeah. European basketball players ever. And rightfully so, because Luca deserves it. Yeah. But in that sense, he has the power. Okay, I can decide where to go. But if Zion asks for a trade, I don't know what's going on with Zion. He asks for a trade, then... The power's not in his hands because one, you have to satisfy your contract, and then I don't know what they will get from you. You're not gonna go right. somewhere you want to go because yeah. now your your value, his value, has went down significantly. Oh yeah. So it's it's, it's situations vary, and then with KD, KD satisfied his contract. Yeah. I got the power to go where I want to go. So I mean, that's the difference. But I think the players should have more power. They should, yeah. Player empowerment. In this day and age. Yeah, definitely Definitely. this day and age. This is not 1965 where they're going to (laughs) pay $50,000. Like, bro. Or you remember like the magic contract? It was like the 25-year, what was it? I think 25-year, 25, uh, 25-year, 25,000 or something. And it just, it didn't even sound, like if you look back at at it then, they were like, oh my goodness, magic. And now we're looking like, Yo, that's like jump change. No, like, <laughs> basketball has definitely changed. More people are watching it, like yeah. got more advertisement. But, bruh. Yeah. Just looking at that, that's crazy. Even Michael Jordan was like, man, look, I wish I had the contracts these kids are having. I mm-hmm. did. Most of his money came from endorsements. Yeah. That that's was the big money. Yeah. That's where you got your bread from, endorsements. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now transitioning to, to our next topic, to Team USA's past few games, and kind of like what player has stood out. Um, in their most recent tune-up game, they, they beat Spain 98-88. to Jalen Brunson was a major key with 16 points, two rebounds and three block, blocks, uh, plus assists in, in the first half. And, you know, to me, like Anthony Edwards, Austin Reeves, and Tyrese Halliburton, you know, they've been really major standouts. Uh, this is that kind of period of when you can see younger players, like who are going to be the next guys up, um, who can really assist in things for the for Team U, Team USA. And that those guys have been – I mean, Anthony Edwards is going to be like – a force yes. <laughs> he's gonna yes. be a force in this league like if you guys don't know yet like that that guy is really gonna be something uh what it, what has stood out to you with team usa so far and maybe like some players that have been standouts anthony edwards i've i've finally got the opportunity to watch him thoroughly because some of the games we don't get some of the games because obviously they're in Minnesota, <laughs> so I haven't been. I watch highlights. Highlights really doesn't tell they you. Don't the really full tell scope. the whole story. Full, full scope. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, <laughs> man, it's coming. The doors is. <laughs> we should do this every morning now. Um, <laughs> but Anthony Edwards finally realizing how great he is as a facilitator. Because we know he's a finisher, we know he's a slasher, but I've seen him get some dimes that I've never seen him do with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Insane. 
it's he's a full all around great basketball player. He's gonna be a talent for NBA in future tense. He's mm-hmm. a talent now, but he's already right. tapped his potential. Mm-hmm. His ability, it is his defense. I was I looked at that too. He's he could he plays some good defense. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he could play in the box, he could play at the wing, he could play at the top too. He could yeah. play everywhere. You could put Anthony Edwards everywhere. He's gonna be a, a, a vital piece to whatever you're doing. He's he's a menace on defense. Mm. He's a finisher at the rim. His jump the only thing I'll say, this is nitpicking his jump shot. His three-point percentage, yeah, I would like to but that's how you know you're a good basketball player. If that's that the only thing somebody easily. could say, yeah, yes, that can be fixed. Yeah. Everybody look. LeBron James, they was like, oh, his three-point sentence need to go up. Did that. Giannis, they said his three-point percentage need to go up. Giannis did that and is improving his three-point jump shot. Like, all the great players that they said that something about the three-point. They can't say anything about their creating own off the creating their own shot, uh, post-up, whatever. They only say something about three-point shot. I think that makes a good basketball player because that can be fixed. And I think with Anthony Edwards, that's the only thing nitpicking I can say about this game. But everything else, I'm astonished. Jeremy Reeves. Um, Jeremy Reeves. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's somebody from Pensacola. I'm crazy. Oh, Austin Reeves <laughs> has impressed me too. To be on the uh, court with a lot of great basketball players, because you know you, yeah. you're used to being with LeBron and AD, AD. but all these guys are good in their own right, right? Mm-hmm. So just him standing and holding his own and being able to showcase what he can do, I think he's going to be a good talent too. He's going to be one oh, of yeah. those one of those guys who's underrated for years to come. I don't think he'll ever reach his potential to where people are like, okay, Austin Reeves is raw. He never will be that, but I think he will be an underrated player, which is, I think, look at Tony Parker. I think Tony Parker is one of the most underrated. He just got oh, into the sure. Hall of Fame. So yeah, sh- shout out to shout out to the Hall of Fame guy, Dwayne Wade, um, Dirk. Like, Dirk. I mean, so many people that were just really uh, uh, deserving of it. Like, mm-hmm. like, when you look back at those guys' careers, like, I mean, D. Wade's one of the, the best shooting guards ever. Um, yeah. Dirk with what he was able to do with with, with the the um the the, the fadeaway <laughs> the, the, the the one like the one like fadeaway like that that move was just so unstoppable even KD yes, started, started imitating it like like what do you even uh, think about this uh, recent um Hall, Hall of Fame inductees and just you know the the legacy that that they left you forgot about the great white snowman what's going oh, on well it's Popovich Pop great Popovich man, our guy Pop man we <laughs> talk the great white snowman. Yeah, nobody else calls him that but full scope. But Let's full just scope. put that. Yeah. But nah, man, what a great class, bro. Greg, Greg Popovich really class, is in man. there. Tony Parker. Um, I think out of the three, Ginobili's still Ginobili's in there already. Yeah. So already out of there. the out of their big three, everybody's in. And then you got Dwayne Wade, one of the best shooting guards, has ever stepped foot out of well. Never mind. Michael Jordan's from Chicago. <laughs> well, he played out of Chicago. He's not from Chicago. But the best shooting yeah. guard out of Chicago that who was born and raised in Chicago because he's from, obviously, North Carolina. But, man, I just looking at his career, looking at Dirk, man. Dirk is so black. Uh, I was looking at his old interviews and how he talks. He's like, appreciate it, man. Like, he was just talking. I know his, his wife is, 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 is black. And it's just yeah. that culture, how it just, just overtook his, his normal culture. Out of it, this man brought it. This how great Dirk Nowitzki. He brought it to go plate from home with a loop of foil. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Not in, That's not how in you a know. Tupperware. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, my bro brought a home cooked meal and a loop of foil to the game. 
Not to practice. <laughs> not to practice. You're not talking about practice. Talking about <laughs> a game. Did a whole fuck- <laughs> now, I think he dropped like 35 or 40 that game. So I don't know what was in that plate. Oh, but man, man. Oh. but that was a good class. <laughs> <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, Great Popovich, Tony Parker. It was a nut. It was somebody else I can't think of. But those are obviously the ones that stand out the most. But man, what a what a class! I think that's yeah. a good class. That's a good class. Dwayne Wade's finally got to deserve it. LeBron James is going to first year ballot guy. As soon as he retires, oh, sure. they're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. If he's like, not hey. that fast, I don't. What are we doing? Wrong with you guys? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, and now get to our next topic with thoughts on Anthony Joshua's win over Robert Delaneous and, and him wanting uh, De- Deontay Wilder next. Um, this past Saturday, Anthony Joshua scored a seventh round knockout of Robert Delaneous at the O2 Arena, uh, which now sets up a potential showdown with uh, former world heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder. Um, and, and it's interesting because Joshua, he, I mean, he, he did secure, he, he did get the win. But everybody, I think everybody knows Deontay Wilder. That's that's just a different, that's just yeah. a different class for Joshua. And I and I still don't even even from this fight, I still don't see him being in that in that shape or even in that men- mentality to be ready for a Deontay Wilder. Like like, what did you think about this win? Obviously, the big news of, of him wanting Deontay Wilder next. So obviously, Robert fought both of these guys. Obviously, Robert got knocked out schooner than he got knocked out. With. <laughs> but I think when he fought Anthony Joshua, it was more of a fatigue thing. I, you know, fatigue thing, because with that head fake, it was so tired and lazy yeah. that he thought he was going to like get out the way. But if he was like still in it, but that's this is heavyweight that comes with, with boxing, fatigue, mm. being tired. And that's a, I think that was a fatigue knockout. It wasn't like he was pressuring him the whole entire fight. He was so tentative, not tentative, but he was so, you know, hesitant. Anthony right. Joshua doesn't have that, that push and dog in him that he is, has previous years. He's not a pressure boxer anymore. He's more of a wait and see, which is fine, but you can't do that against Deontay I'm Wilder. You can't do it against those guys because he's an guys. aggressor. Right, he's an aggressor. Robert yeah. doesn't have the 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 fatigue, well, have the energy or the stamina to pressure you for the first five. Deontay right. Wilder does, and he has. There were some punches that Robert was doing that was mm-hmm. landing, and if that was Deontay Wilder, bro, you'd be kissing canvas. You're Instantly. not ready. Yeah, he's yeah. not ready. He didn't show me anything. He didn't show me that it, that 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 fire, that pressure boxing. You're gonna have to pressure these guys. Mm-hmm. Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. You're gonna have to pressure him. You're gonna yeah. outbox him. You can't outbox him. Deontay Wilder. You're gonna have to pressure him and land and counter. But if you don't counter, I don't think he's a counter boxer because even when Robert was throwing some, he wasn't countering like that. So he's not ready mentally. He's not. He. I. I will give him this. He did have enough stamina. I think yeah. that was the difference because Joshua normally is a pressure fighter, and about fifth or sixth round, he he's in that daze, and then seventh, eighth round, he'll catch his win again. Mm. But he didn't show me anything impressive enough to be ready for Deontay Wilder. When yeah, Deontay but, Wilder beat that guy, I think and knocked him out in the third round. Yeah, round, third, third round. Yeah. I so, mean, easy work. Much easier easy. work for Deontay Wilder. <laughs> Fish and chips. Fish and chips. That's what it was for Anthony Joshua. Fish and chips. <laughs> and, and and another another fight um, that's obviously coming up with Canelo and Jamel Charlo. That's going to be very interesting because we're getting in, into that into that zone of. I mean, obviously with what Terrence Crawford did, um, he's talking about different fights he might want. You know, 
Um, my, he, he said he, he said the potential even of a Canelo fight down the, down the line uh, would be something. You know, if they they go up and wait. But to you, what are your thoughts on the Can- Canelo and Jamel Charlo fight? And obviously, Canelo is one of the biggest stars in boxing. And just some of your early take your early takeaways of how that fight might look, and who could be that next you know big biggest star in boxing. There's going to be a lot of them because that's how boxing is gearing up now. It rotates now. Charlo has been selling out for a while. He he was selling out after uh, Crawford and Spence uh, fight. Selling out in the crowd. Like you, yeah. So I'm glad he's getting Canelo because I think Canelo is still a top tier boxer. And I think he has the upper hand against uh, Terrence. Uh, But not by much. I think Canelo is a. Yeah, it's very, very slight. slight. I think he's a, a better counter puncher, and I think he's a pressure fighter who can actually adjust to uh, what the boxer is doing. And that was the right. difference, obviously, or Errol Spence. He's a pressure fighter, but he couldn't he couldn't adjust. But I think with Canelo's IQ and what we've seen in the previous fights, he can adjust midway. His team can adjust to midway. I think that was was lacking, and I think that's what gives him the upper hand in his butt because Bud is not going to do that type of fighting with every fighter. He did that with Errol Spence Jr. He's not going to do that with Canelo. He's going to be trying to counter. He's going to try to move and get out the way. But Canelo can pressure. But anyway, we're talking about Canelo and Charles. And I think <laughs> it's not. It's I don't think it's going to be a knockout between these guys. I think Canelo's going to outbox him. And it'll be. It'll be. It'll go to decision. Probably. Yeah, I think it will go to decision. Canelo fights go. Yeah, and he's not going to knock him out unless you, unless you give him that opening. You make a huge mistake that you can't recover from, and you just leave it so wide open. He's going to knock you out. He's going to knock your teeth out and your mouthpiece and your ego. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything's coming out. <laughs> ESPN. All those teeth. You will. How will he recover? <laughs> That's exactly how the intro is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's going to outbox him um, because I think his IQ is better than Charlo. Charlo, he, he's he's one of those guys who depends on his knockout power yeah. and trying to knock guys out. You got to knock Canelo out because he doesn't nah, make I'm many sorry. mistakes. Because I think it's going to be a similar situation with Errol Spence. Are you going to be able to adjust? Because Charlo is a pressure fighter as well in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to adjust to a guy like Canelo who can counterpunch just like Bud who can pressure as well too? Who's going to stand yeah. in the, stand in the middle and throw punches with you? And you're going to have to take some punches you have to take too. Take it to back. Be, yeah. So <laughs> I think it's going to be it's going to be a go to decision. Canelo's going to win, obviously. And then once he's once Charlo is ready for Bud, Bud is going to knock Charlo out because he for makes sure. too many mistakes. For sure, he makes too bro. many mistakes. He's open book, and I think that's what he's not realizing. And uh, and that's what I realized after the Errol Smith Jr. fight. Errol, before that fight, he took a lot of punches. Oh yeah, in other fight, in previous fight, he just walked them down. And because he was he's good with it, fighter. but this, yeah, with Bud, nah, it, Bud it got some power. Yeah, yeah, some very, yeah, very high level power. What do you think? Do you think? Do you think Tank fights Shakur Stevenson or, or um, Devin Haney next? Devin Haney isn't ready, but I think the world is ready for that fight. Yeah, I think the world is too. Because we always get that those little tidbit stories about how they, you know, sparred. They they sparred together and nobody's (laughs) But Haney did say he did touch me. Well, he did. He hit me uh, with a real good one. Uh Um, So 
but just watching David Haney fight and he got saved in that last fight, he lost. Oh, yeah. From for yeah, by the yeah, by the way, Lamanchenko yeah. won that fight. Lamanchenko definitely, definitely won, won that fight. fight. Hands yeah. down. I don't understand it. But I don't think Haney is ready for that fight mentally and physically, IQ wise as well. Because yeah. it's gonna take a lot. He Tank and he's becoming my my favorite fighter in this day and age. He's the guy who doesn't care about taking some fire to read and to to get information to how to beat I you. I love that. It's a lot of fights he's been in and out in in a West Calm. Even with the Garcia, he was in yeah. there in the fire, and then he was like, "Okay, I'm a I'm gonna catch you. I got you." Boom. So he was doing that the whole time. He was ducking. He was like, okay, he do that one more time. I'm going to get him. And, and the he's, just, other... he's loading it all in his mind. Like yes. He's, he's just taking taking the data like like, like his yes. um, like his trainer says, just, just, just uh, I think, uh, Calvin Ford. Just taking the data in. And yes. once he knows it, he's going to pounce. Yes. And that it, it's no other fighter like that. Mm-hmm. No other fighter gets in that fire and, cre- and collects that type of data. Who has the chin? And I think that's a lot of people not understanding. Tank has a a, a, a strong chin because I've seen him get tagged a couple times mm. and just like just duck out of it and move out of it. Yeah. And then he'll adjust to it. He was like, okay, that's what he does if I get into this. So, all right, this is how I'm adjust. There's nobody going to beat Tank Davis unless he gets like older. But I don't think anybody will be him. Not Devin Haney, not Stevenson. I don't think Stevenson has enough because he's they're not gonna last the entire bout. Somebody's gonna Stevens, get knocked out. I don't think Stevenson can last an entire no. round. Yeah. Yeah. It, nah. it's just too much power. Like they, those those fights, those types of fights, they're not going to decision. Somebody's getting no. <laughs> it's too much because power that's, for those guys. That's his game. He's yeah. he's all he's a pressure fight, he's a counter puncher, and he's he's a he's a I get in the fire. That's what yeah. type of fighter he is. And with that formula, somebody's going to get knocked out. Absolutely. Yeah, somebody's going to get knocked out. Um, and, and, and before we move on to, 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 our, to our movie review, I know we're, we're going we're gonna to do some, some of the album reviews next week. But obviously, 50 Years of Hip Hop, that, uh, that, that, that was the, the 50-year anniversary of hip hop was, was last week. And we review so many hip hop albums. We've done throwback reviews. It's... I mean, it's one of the most you know powerful genres in music that that we've ever had. It just it it, it, t- it took over the scene. Um, it, it's it's been able to dominate for so many years. Like looking back at the anniversary of it, um, you know the, the commemorations, the celebration, the performances that, that that they've had. Like like what have you thought of? Uh, what are just your takeaways of you know fifty years of hip hop and just you know the, the lasting impact it's, it's, it's had on on our culture. Just thinking about 50 years and how hip hop was started and where we are now is nowhere near what it was when it's created. And I think that's a negative thing more than a positive thing. Obviously, things involve, things change, but the root and the foundation of what hip hop was is taking a turn for the worse. It was the voice of the of black people. You look at NWA, you look at Rakim, Curious One, all these, like all the guys, Daddy Kane, all these guys who paved the way why hip hop was created and why it was used as a tool to vocalize what's going on in their communities. And looking and back at that what, straight out of Compton movie, bro. Yeah, that bro. Movie's awesome. I mean, I watch it like every time it's on. It's just like, yo, this is like, this is golden history, man. <laughs> they were doing terrible things, but they were also with the message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, that's, that was what hip hop was. It was the message. It was the voice of the of the common black people in their communities. It was an extension of uh, Black Panthers. And 
and and what they did, and all these other organizations as what they've done to uh, spring spring forward uh, black people and African Americans. So it was just where it has been and where it's going now and where is that now, man? It's, it's a totally different, totally different face. Every facet of hip hop, there's well, not every. It's new facets of hip hop now that has been tangled and strand and planted their flag. But I wish that we get back to the original flag the of hip hop, the roots of hip hop. Um, but we've 50 got some years, artists, we've got some artists that are still doing that, but I yes, think the majority of, of it is being yeah. drowned out. Um, it's been drowned out. Yeah. Definitely. It's been drowned out. It's, it's being diluted. Uh, just, you know, but we still have old heads or like you said, guys who are in the, in the hip hop who still Respect wants to, Yes, who are hip hop connoisseurs who's still in there? Just look at the bro, Wu Tang. Just bro, they were so different. Yes, yeah, hip hop is amazing, man. Hip hop, but there's nobody like Wu Tang anymore. No, or will ever be like Wu Tang. And we're gonna do some. We're gonna do some 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 Wu Tang throwback reviews coming up because there's just there, like we said, we can. There are so many classic hip hop albums in the past we can review because it's just it's such a golden such a yes. golden genre and it's so rich so it, yeah those those guys man Wu-Tang un, shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, y'all. <laughs> yo nobody was rapping different. like them different. nobody was rapping like them bro ODB. absolutely we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our They Clone Tyrone review Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our They Clone Tyrone review. And to start the overview, this is a 2023 science fiction comedy mystery film directed by Jewel Taylor. And it's feature um, film director debut from a screenplay wrote with Tony Redmire starring John Boyega, Tiana Paris, and Jamie Foxx. And they all become an unlikely trio uncovering a government clothing conspiracy. Um, David Allen Greer and Kiefer Sutherland also appear in supporting roles. They had a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, as we mentioned uh, before the before the show, at, Ron Tomatoes actually got it right this time. <laughs> um, but in terms of just this being a film that was, you know, very smart and sophisticated, but still fun and unique, I really haven't seen a lot of films in the past few years that that have kind of taken a turn like this, but still had the humor and still had the 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 yeah. rich dialogue that we always like. Um, what were your initial thoughts on on, the, on this film overall? That's what that was. That was my initial thoughts. Like I had no words. I had no words. <laughs> um, just how it started. Um, it was. Uh, I would. I'm lost for words. Well, let's. I really no. But um, <laughs> what it? What I really thought about the film starting off. I thought it was an attention grabber. <clears throat> that it kept you glued to the screen because you were confused as much as he was confused. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of talking about Jamie Foxx character, but I thought it was what a great film. Like you said, it had that humor and had the 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 development of characters. It had that uh, that hoorah moment for the black community. It had those little uh, things that conspiracy theories that you feel like you were like you could cling to as well. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So it it had Take every element. Yeah, t- yeah. T- <laughs> Uh, KFC. First thing I thought of was KFC. That's not, not KFC. Pop, 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 pop. Sorry, not oh, KFC. Popeyes, yeah, Popeyes. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I go there. Am I going to just start laughing? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. That chicken sandwich. Uh, but no, what a great film, man. That's yeah. I was lost for words because I was just like the whole time, like, bro, what is? Oh, 
It's exactly like my whole yeah. I was glued. I was glued to the screen, man. It was a definitely a tension grabber. Definitely. And, and before we get to our first topic, uh, one one character. I mean, th- th- a lot of good performances in this one, but John Boyega, man, dude oh. is a, dude is a star. Dude is a star, man. He he yes. he he is he, he he is so versatile in his acting style. Obviously, he was playing multiple characters at one point in this movie. He he was he was joking about like. This was the film where he was getting into his like Eddie Murphy bag from like come, coming yeah. coming to America. <laughs> he said, "I always wanted to do what Eddie Murphy did in that film." But uh, what did you think about this performance from him? And you know, just the potential he has going forward because he he's he's a bright star in this yes. film industry and can yes. keep taking it further. He convinced me in with every character, with every character that he played. Yeah, and I think that's with some with some characters, even with Eddie Murphy. And I'm like, bro, Eddie, you didn't have to do that. Like, even though they're like spoofs, they're funny, I'm like, okay, that character's weird. Yeah. Okay, I'm not convinced about that character. Um, but every character that he played, even the doctor, um, obviously the the normal Fontaine, even um the guy who was supposed to be the henchman. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every character he played, I was convinced. You wouldn't think he was he was from uh from overseas. He was British. Like you would never know he would have had an accent. He was he, he convinced me with every character with the motions, the movements, the the, the mannerisms, right. just the whole nine. What a performance! Even the promo that he did uh, with himself that he was Fontaine. He was just uh, John Boyega. He was like, oh yeah, uh, he was a Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you like see it. <laughs> So yeah, he convinced me. His performance is really good. And obviously, you got Jamie Foxx right there, probably giving you porns because Jamie Foxx is one of the greatest actors that ever lived. So that's another I mean, thing I was gonna say. Like when you have an actor like that, like Jamie Foxx, um, a, a legend in so many aspects. How much does that help? Just to have that older voice and that guy who's been like, "Hey, I've been where you've been before, and this, yeah. these are the pointers you can take." I think it's one of those things at first is intimidating until you meet. Uh, a person like Jamie Foxx, I'm just going to use him obviously because we're talking about him, but he probably just talking like, yo, relax, just just be you, bro. Just find find yourself in those characters right. and just let it rip. Don't feel like you're trying to make, you're going to make a mistake or you're doing too much because obviously you got the director there too to tell you the same thing, but when Jamie yeah. Foxx, he's been, because he's even Django, bro, like listening to uh, Tarantino's uh, comments or what he was talking about with Hot he was like, I knew he was going to have to do this. I just be a slave. He's a slave. So even when you're a high top actor, you still mm-hmm. have to be told, like, bro, just do, like, you don't have to do too much. It's yeah, in there already. So just be relaxed, be yourself, and just let the character take you where it's going to take you. So I'm pretty sure that's what some of the pointers was, as well as cracking jokes. And <laughs> probably uh, try to talk like him. Hey, mate. Right. Hey, British mate. And I'm just making a set fun. That's probably yeah. what it is. Keeping it light as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'll get into our first topic from one of the four stars. Would you give it? Um, I would definitely give this four because it's an extremely daring film and it's it, it's just exclusively innovative. Even though it's a social commentary, it still holds up um, a mirror to society in, in a <laughs> harrowing and hilarious way. Um, to you, from one of four stars, what would you give it and some of your reasons? Four stars. Um, myself... And a lot of other people were like, I'm surprised Netflix let this go. Let this be. Yeah. Yeah. It makes but you I'm think. glad that, yeah, it makes you think like, okay, they know, they know it too. And mm-hmm. I know they do. They obviously, they do this all the time. And yeah. there's certain communities they do this in too. But I, I love how daring it was. Like you said, they weren't afraid to make those conspiracy theories more elevated and more elaborated. 
because we always like, man, I know they cloning people. Oh, I know they putting stuff in the products. Yes, they are. And oh, here yeah. is what we think about it. So I love that element of it. And I love the character development and um, how Joey, I mean, Joey, John Boyega was able to uh, use those characters to make the, the make the movie like full. Like those characters, like the first Fontaine, I was like, man, okay, I'm convinced he can really play this character. And then when he got shot, I was like, oh, yeah, he can really <laughs> play this can. character. <laughs> it. It had you, you didn't know what was going to happen. Even when you thought you you knew what was going to happen, even, oh, they're going to find, but you don't know what they're going to find. Right. So it was always kept you on your toes. It, and then when you're on your toes, it'll bring you down to give you some laughter. Then it'll lift you back up. So, so it was it was ever so moving in so many ways. And the writing was so perfect cool. for this film. And then the actors obviously did their job to bring it to life. But yeah, man, four stars, daring film. Netflix, I appreciate you letting this come because I'm pretty sure they went somewhere else with this film and it got cut down. Oh, but yeah. Netflix, this yeah, is one where I'm you sure. know it got cut down. Yeah. yeah. Clear signs of that. <laughs> Very. <laughs> Very like, clear signs. <laughs> Very clear signs. You know, man. even how Get Out, it had a, a different ending than yes. the one it actually, actually had. And they were probably like, nah, we're not going to let this one, we're not going to let this ending go out. Like. <laughs> But I'm glad um, we still got to see it though. That, yeah, that alternate you wanted email. to see that. Yeah, you wanted to see those alternate endings and see see what was the original um in thought. Um and now getting into to, uh favorite character, I would go with Fontaine because he has just such a fascinating character arc um as his moral compass was survival and he pulls back the curtain um mm-hmm. more with the multiple characters that, that John B- John Boyega is having to portray at one point. And he really is the center point of the movie in a lot of aspects of I, I mean just uh, realizing the cloning and, and all, all the things that are going on later in the film. But to you overall, who's your favorite character? Jamie Foxx, Slick Charles, man. <laughs> he's hilarious. <laughs> he's so funny. He's the worst bad pimp, uh, the worst good pimp ever, bro. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> why don't you have money, Slick? <laughs> Slick Charles, why don't you have any money? But no, he was he was that added, um, the added humor, but he also was the the conspiracy theories on all of them. Like, he was oh, the one sure. like, nah, bro, this is not right. This don't feel right. Um, but I, I love this character because without that character, just thinking of, like, what other character or other occupation, I would say, yeah. that would fit in this role. You brought three unlikely people mm. which are planning in each community, so it's strategically put in there how they wrote this. There's yeah. always a pimp. There's always a drug dealer. There's always a drug <laughs> I said prostitute. I am sorry. But uh <laughs> Oh my goodness. But yeah, it was just I love how real likely people. <laughs> yeah. They're not working together. Um, but no, nah, I love Jamie Foxx's character. He was especially like that hoorah scene I was talking about. He was the face of it. He was the yeah. he was the leader of that hoorah scene. So he's like, I got the whole hood behind me. <laughs> His voice too. That His voice is so funny. It's 
You talk about that cuticle. <laughs> Take care of that cuticle. <laughs> uh, and now I get into most memorable scenes I had of the secret elevator, also finding the test site, uh, meeting your maker, swarming the lab, and, all, and then finally, who is Tyrone? Um, to you, what yeah. were some of the memorable scenes overall in this one? And, and the one, I mean, I can't even can't even leave out the, the, the church <laughs> the, 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 when they're in the church. <laughs> one of the, the main ones, but but what, what were some of your memorable scenes? Uh, Obviously, Wellington does this all the time. He picks the great scenes, so I'm gonna just use the, the <laughs> subpar ones. Um, but um, the church scene with David Allegrier, I as soon as I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, they had to have him in here. Um, the scenes with the guy I forgot his name who he pours the drink into a cup all the time. He was the planet guy. He was mm. giving give him Fontaine information, and you know, I thought those were like pivotal scenes. Obviously, yeah. um, the scene when Fo- the first Fontaine got shot up, uh, I thought that was uh, very interesting. I mean, we were thinking, like, why did he get out the car? I would have rammed. <laughs> I guess he wanted to salsa. I don't he know. Salsa. Yeah, well, the moves. <laughs> Had to do that Bixer crew. <laughs> Buddy got shot up, but uh, <laughs> but that scene was really dope. Um, the scene where he figured out he didn't have a mom, mm. and he just busting in there. He was like, "Bro, what?" So it was just everything unfolding. But all this other scene was dope. And then the scenes when they were driving, everybody was in the cars. And I'm like, "I got the whole hood behind me." And then, oh yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a good scene too. Definitely. Um, and now getting into most memorable quotes I had, I don't really appreciate uh, how you come in here from Slick Charles. Young Luck Schrader mm-hmm. is greater from Frog. You don't want to do this, man. We're everywhere from tech. I'm um, a big man. We'll always point the way from Frog. And then finally, represent yourself in the best way, man, from Fontaine. Uh, to, to you, what were some of the, the standout, uh, standout quotes in this film? Slick Charles had some of the best ones. Some that didn't even make sense. Like, <laughs> ain't no snow, but I can still ski at it. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> <laughs> um, Come again, uh, <laughs> sir. But it was that was the one that stood out the most. But it was a bunch of them I just can't remember. And uh, obviously, uh, hey, Con, sir, <laughs> what he does, the voice and kills me. Hey, I know they probably did that scene about three times. Yeah, three, people was laughing. We were like, hey, Con, sir, if you don't mind me telling the direction to that freaking other bad laugh. <laughs> Bro, the director's like, hey, whole set, be quiet. <laughs> don't, don't say a word. I would have lost it every time. He's like, hey, Kaz, sir. You don't mind if the direction of that freaking other down that lab. But yeah, that was one of the good ones. And then I got the whole hood behind me, and there ain't no snow, but I can still ski at it. Oh, what? I was, yeah, that took me for a loop. He was a, he was a terrible pimp. He was a terrible pimp. <laughs> Um, and now again to our next topic. What did you like the most about the storyline? Uh, to me, just how it weaves elements of, of black exploitation, horror, and yeah. heartwarming sentiments into a, a, a single cinematic tapestry was just really was done so well. Provoking deep thoughts into possible realities was was another uh, good quality of it. Because a lot of times when you, I think a lot there are a lot of points in the film when you watched it, you were like, okay, I can see what they're doing here. I, I can see how that connects to society, uh, what we see on a daily basis, and, and how certain things we, we just know are going on. Um, but it's just never, never addressed fully. Um, to you, what particular element of the storyline did you like the most? Just piggyback on that right there, man. Um, I think 
you know, as a community, we all always think like, ah, man, they're doing something around food. Uh, they're implementing certain things. Like, how do we get all these guns into the city? How do we get all these drugs into the city? We don't have access to those things. So it's just like a, 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 a uh, refurbished uh, conspiracies that we've seen and heard of our entire lives and to be able to see that on the screen because I, I haven't seen a movie that was predominantly led by black that talked about these certain things and unravel these things in, into right. a movie that was on a big platform like Netflix. So I think the storyline with that, man, just to uncover those things. And it was like the chicken, the chicken, the hair products, bro, yeah. these, uh, mm. and then, um, and I, and they're definitely cloning people. They're definitely, definitely cloning people. <laughs> they're definitely cloning people. Jamie Foxx might be a clone. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, like, how did um how did Jamie like have like a a, a straight hairline Tuesday and then went bald? <laughs> no. How did he go in looking like Wesley Snipes come out like Michael Jackson? Ain't no way. Boy was light skinned, but <laughs> straight bleach face. They messed up in the formula. They was like, ah, we made them do it. Maybe, maybe they'll think it's makeup. Ah, <laughs> no, that boy light. He ain't yeah. never been that light in his life. That's a dead giveaway. And, 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 and get into our last topic here from now. Like, do you still think it'll be watched when intriguing? Mm. I, I think this is this is one that definitely will because, like you said, there are there are daily um sentiments and just observations that we as a community have, and then seeing this being put like like a major platform. The fact yeah. that it's been put on a major platform is something that 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 is that is really that really stands out. Um, what do you think will will make this a watchable, intriguing movie another decade from now? One is funny. Funny always, always captivates helps. people. Um, Jamie Foxx is in it. Man, crazy career that Jamie Foxx has. And His then, career is just man, yeah. it's still going on. It's still relevant. Man, he's he just still finds a way to stay relevant. Yeah, I don't think I have seen a film that I didn't like that Jamie Foxx was in, even when he was a supporting cast type of actor at the time. Like all these films I liked, but I think the the humor and then also what it what it what it entails and what it uncovers and what those conspiracy theories that I feel like there are like cemented in a lot of people's minds, and I think they'll watch this film and they'll see Jamie Foxx playing a pimp. His voice, bro. How many voices did he go through? That's why I want to win. How many voices did he go through to to get on that one? <laughs> this is one of his funniest movies ever. Bro. Yes, bro. bro. Like instantly, <laughs> you dead. You supposed to be dead. Ooh, ooh. Like, it was, bro. It was just like, yeah, it was it was super funny. But definitely watchable ten years from now. Definitely watching. Definitely, definitely going to continue to watch this. And I hope Netflix keep keep it on Netflix. And don't take it off at any point in time because this is a Netflix original film. So yeah, I mean you got it. You, you definitely have to have to keep that. And um, before we close out, I mean it's, it's it's so interesting because a lot of times we 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 can see in just um, different different directors, different movies like Barry Jenkins with what he did with Moonlight. Um, mm. Oh yeah, you know, and Bill Street. Yeah, and I, I I go back to that that film a lot. It's just just a masterpiece. Uh, Jordan really Peele and some of his movies like. How do you think certain black directors and even black films can can like learn from this movie and take it even further with maybe even you know drama or social more dr- dramas and social commentaries that really put out put a spotlight 
on what the message of this movie is and what we need to see more of, of from it. I think don't be afraid to be daring and to uh, push the envelope uh, on certain uh, topics and situations that you feel that needs to be talked about. You look at, um, oh, geez, come on. Um, the body, Black Bonnie and Clyde, I hate to say that. Um, come on, with uh, our buddy who played oh, in Get uh, Out. Dan- with, with Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Oh, man. Whatever, I'm... You, you keep going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the research. I'm gonna do the research. <laughs> so you look at that film, and it was it was daring how it started. Obviously, po- police brutality. That police officer had a history of that, and then he happened happens to get killed, and they're queen and slim. Queen and slim. Yep. There you go. Um, and just that storyline that was it was daring. It was what people were talking about at the time, and she made an entire film around that, and. At the end, it show it be your own people who snitch and tell on you just to get a reward. They don't even care about what's really happening. They're all, you know, so don't be afraid of being daring. Even in this film, it makes sure you have some type of humor in it to kind of kind of balance it out, not yeah. dilute it. But you need humor. You don't want pe- force feed people like straight. You can't do that. You got to have some, you know, level ground, put them back on the feet and then put them up like this film did. Because it was a mixture of like, Perfect whoa, I balance. thought about that. Oh, yeah. And then somebody say something funny or something happens and they act like we would normally act. Because every, mm. everything I saw in that film, especially J.B. Fox, uh, <laughs> when I saw Fontaine, I would have went bonkers, bro. I would be like, hey, bro, you died, bro. You dead, bro. What are you talking about? You got shot. So it was just... It had that, you know, you can just relate to it. So I think you got to have some relatability in that film as well as don't be afraid to talk about certain things and then have some Don't shy away from those topics. Yeah, yeah, don't shy away with it because, I mean, we need that this time because now I think what a lot of people have watched that film, they're like, man, I I do feel different when I eat. (laughs) I do get happy when I eat chicken. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, it's terrible it's terrible bro oh man checks as we say <laughs> checks boxes checks boxes literally <laughs> it checks boxes well, that wraps it up for today I'm your host Wendell Burns on my kind of process by Morris this has been Full Scope see you later